But what I'm going to share with you, I've called priority mail. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, as I have in my life on different occasions, of anticipating getting something in the mail and watching for it, going to the mailbox every day and hoping that what I'm looking for has come. Now, I was hoping to get a package this very past week, and I wanted to get it by Friday or Saturday, and I did not get it. But that's okay. I may out just fine, but I was hoping to, to get it. And I have had uh, different experiences. A lot of times it was something I ordered, and I'm waiting to get the box. You know, I was in LaVeo this past week once, and I saw the old Sears store. I guess Sears is out of business, aren't they? That's sad to me. I used to get the big Sears catalog and go through that catalog and pick out something, perhaps, and order it. And then when they order it, in about a week, it would be here. And, you know, we thought that was amazing. Now, you a lot of times get it the next day. Or maybe there's inf important information. Recently, I've been looking for my driver's license, trying to get them. Finally, I got them. So I'm a bona fide West Virginian now. I have my driver's license in West Virginia. Well, recently I got a certified letter from the DMV. Well, what's this about? Well, somehow they didn't get the right information about the insurance on my car. And I had to make a quick call, try to give them the uh, insurance information so they'd be happy. But certified letter, that gets your attention. And then how could I forget all the letters that my sweet girlfriend wrote me back in the late 70s and late 80s, or early 80s? I got a stack of letters that high somewhere. And I hardly forget the time she wrote me the first letter. And I was surprised and got a letter from her. And I, you know, we only lived 10 or 12 miles apart, but we wrote a lot of letters. Because for the first year, the only time we really went out together was church on Sunday night. That's all we did for the first year. And I remember writing her back. Hopefully she's uh, hid all those letters pretty well. So, the scripture has some important letters, too. So, for my scripture today, I have listed both the second and third chapter of Revelation. Now, I'm not going to read all that scripture, because it would take me ten minutes just to read all the seven letters to the churches that the Bible says to the angel of the church, write thus, and we recognize these as basically letters from Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, each letter contains a variety of comments, and they are positive comments. Some letters are almost totally positive, while other letters have very little positive at all. It would do us good to take all of these letters together and compare them to one another and see collectively what Jesus has said to these seven churches. What was his criticisms of them? 
What did he lift up as being very good? And my thought is, as I look at these seven letters, what kind of letter would Jesus write to us today? If he was to write, write to the angel of the church at Oakdale, what would he write? Which letter here would it most likely resemble? Well, I think we can discern in some ways what our letter might include if we are honest. Take an honest look at the, our church today. It is gratifying and very encouraging to receive a compliment. If Jesus would write something encouraging about the Oakdale Church, we would be happy. Think for a moment. What kinds of things could he make a positive comment about in a letter that he might write to the Oakdale Church? What kinds of warnings might he list in the letter at all? What kinds of concerns? As he says in some of the letters, I have somewhat against thee. Would Jesus write anything like that in a letter to us here at Oakdale? And I like to hear concerns, especially if they're what I would call um, sort of a positive criticism or a helpful type of criticism. I don't mind to be criticized. I hope to take a look at the issue that I'm being criticized for. You know, sometimes we experience this kind of thing on our jobs. At my job at the mines, the boss hardly ever gave a compliment for anything we did. Hardly ever. I only remember one compliment he gave to me, and that was because a person from another company made him promise to compliment me on something I had done there at the mines. But most likely, he was ready to tell you something he didn't like about what you did. And therefore, we always felt, or at least I did, if he said nothing, it was a good thing. Because at least he didn't have anything bad to say. And that was all right. But I, I still respected him as a leader, even though I think he could have been a bit more um, positive and complimentary at times. Well, let's consider the compliments in these various letters. And I apologize, I'm going to have to watch my time very close. But at Ephesus, he looked, and in chapter 2, the letter says that I know your works, in verse 2, and your labor and your endurance, all good things, that you cannot tolerate evil. Now, that's a good thing for church. We don't want to overlook and to get used or accustomed to evil things in our church, whether it's in uh, policies or other types of things that the church is involved in. And then it says, you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. Now that's a bit to, to the issue of accountability. This letter lifts up the church at Ephesus by saying, you have tested them who call themselves apostles. You know, people can call themselves anything. And on the TV, I see all kinds of church so-called leaders that have called themselves this and that. And it's a good thing to be aware 
of ungodliness in our church and to be conscious of that. He mentions those who are misleading the church. We don't want to be misled. We don't want to unconsciously drift in some direction. Compliments of their endurance and strength in verse 3. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and have not grown weary. May them things be said about our church. That would be good. All these are positive characteristics. Now let's go quickly to the letter of Smyrna. And so he here says in verse 9, I know your affliction and poverty, yet you are rich. He says, well, you may be having struggles, but you know where it really counts. You are rich. That's what we want. Today, a church can be spiritually rich, even in the midst of some kinds of struggle. Don't look at some kind of, of challenge that the church might face as a sign of being spiritually poor. All churches are going to face various kinds of challenges. Oh, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? If I'm able. Hope I can. My three sons and my grandson, my oldest grandson, and myself are going to get in a canoe on the South Branch River and we're going to float all the way down through the trough Monday. Now wait, we're not going to go on out. We're going to camp right in the middle of the trough tomorrow night. So if you hear on the news that there's some pastor lost down in the middle of the trough this week, it's probably me. But the one thing, there's only two ways out. And once you start in, you've got to go right on out. You know, that's pretty much it. But that's what we're going to be adventuring tomorrow. Now, we'll probably have some setbacks along the way. One time I got up, up on the top of the canoe, sitting on the top. My middle son, Joel, was in the front of the canoe, and I got a little off balance, and it actually raised the canoe up and just absolutely flipped it on upside down with Joel winning. And all of a sudden, everything hit the water, and there we were, trying to gather up all the stuff we lost. I don't think the river's high enough to do that this time. Hopefully, we won't be carrying the canoe with everything in it down the river, and we'll probably be doing that a little bit. Well, how about the church in Pergamum? Well, they have some positive things. It says that they were holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me. That's verse 13. I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, and you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in, in me. Now, it seems to indicate that uh, Pergama might have been a bit of an ungodly place. And yet, this, the letter says this church was faithful. You know, churches can be situated geographically in an important place. Where the Oakdale Church sits right here today is no accident. We have a community around us. And I haven't assessed this community as being ungodly. Myself, I'd be surprised if, if we could have that assessment here around the uh, Oakdale Road here. 
I think would be rather positive. But in the midst of struggle, it can be a challenge to hold on to the name of Jesus Christ. And Brother Cleve, I appreciated your question there earlier because the foundation of it all is whether we're holding tight to God's word. Whatever else we're doing, that's exactly right. Scripture speaks throughout the scriptures of some who have turned away from the faith. We have to recognize and consciously hold on to the truths of God's word and be alerted when something is outside the word of God. Sometimes I'm tempted when I hear something, show, show me chapter and verse. Sometimes I want to say that to someone who's given me an idea about something. Show me chapter and verse where that's at. I want to see that. Now the church in Thyatira, he says, I love your works, love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. That's in verse 19. I know your works, love, faithfulness, endurance. Your last works are greater than the first. Here seems to be a church that's growing and increasing in the faith in God. A very um, overall positive letter. There are some things there that's negative. In the church of Sardis, here we have some concern. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but look what it says in verse 1, chapter 3. But you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before my God. Somewhat of a warning there. I wouldn't want Church of Oakdale to be called dead. What makes us alive? Spirit of God makes us alive. The Church of Philadelphia is almost a, a completely positive letter for the most part. I know your works because you have limited strength. You have, look there, have kept my word, verse 8, and have not denied my name. I have placed before you an open door that no one's able to close. And then, oh, whoa, the church of Laodicea. Well, I wouldn't want to receive a letter like this one. This is the most critical letter of all the seven. There is very little positive phrases in this letter at all. I don't know what the church of Laodicea looked like, but it must not be very good. I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold, verse 15. I wish that you were hot or cold because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm going to vomit. King James says, spew, I believe, you out of my mouth. And then look at verse 17 here. Because you say I'm rich and become wealthy and need nothing, and you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Look at this. A church that looks at themselves and says, look, we're rich. We've got a maid. And yet God is saying to that same church, you seem to be unconscious that spiritually you are poor, blind, naked, strong words, pitiful, wretched. This is what he writes to that church. Strong warnings. What are some other warnings? In Ephesus, he says, you have abandoned the love you had at first. 
You know what I hope we can have here at Oakdale is a enthusiastic love for Christ. Not just a mundane, run-of-the-mill, sort of boring type of experience, but I hope that we can be enthusiastic about what God could do here at our church. Now, you know, some churches can sort of drift. It takes a conscious effort on the part of a church not to drift. Now, if we go down to the ocean this week, I don't know if I'll go out in the ocean and swim uh, any or not. I'm not too confident. I don't want to get sucked out and riptide, that's for sure. But I do know from what I, when I have done it that if you go out in the ocean and the tide is coming in at a little bit of an angle, you can go out where your group is and you can hop around and swim out there in the ocean and then you can look up at some point in time and look on the shore and you say, huh, where's my group at? They're gone. They haven't went anywhere. They're still exactly where they are, but what has happened to me? I've drifted along the shore because the waves, as they bring you in, it also causing you to just go along the shore. And after 20, 30 minutes of that, you can look up and find yourself a good ways down the shore. Your group's clear back there, and you say, what happened to me? Where did I, where did I go? I drifted away. Today, many churches, even denominations, are slowly drifting away from their spiritual bearings. And that grieves all of us. In Smyrna, the letter says they're severely tested by Satan. In Pergamum, they are living where Satan's throne is. Some have held on to the teachings of Balaam, he says there. They have sacrificed to idols, sexual immorality, false teachings. In Thyatira, he says you have tolerated Jezebel. Now, Jezebel's not even alive at this time, but what he's speaking to is a spirit of Jezebel. Now, if you know about Ahab and Jezebel with Elijah back in the Old Testament, then you know what he's talking about there. A general overwhelming tolerance of sin is what the church of Thyatira is about. We might ask ourselves today, how does a church get in such a position as some of these churches might have been in? Sardis seems to be completely spiritually dead. Well, I sure would hate for anybody to come into Oakdale Church here and determine or think that we were spiritually dead. What makes us alive? We can seem to be alive, vibrant and active, and I know some churches that hoop and holler and have all the bells and whistles. And we even heard of a, of a church in Harrisonburg recently that had smoke or steam or something coming up from the stage just to enhance things a little bit. Well, I'm not about releasing smoke here in the Oakdale Church of Brethren. If I try to do that, just run me off because I've drifted way too far. I don't try to have a performance here. You can have all these things and still be spiritually dead by not remembering the former teachings. Some churches have short memories. They can't remember the simple things that they have been taught. 
Laodicea is the worst. Lukewarm. You know what lukewarm is? Barney Fife would say it's apathy. We know it's apathy. Apathy in the church. Wretched, poor, miserable, blind, naked. The question is today, and I'll start out with this. The question is today, what would a letter to me and you personally contain? Now that's something for us to have some internal perspective about, some of the examining ourselves type of thing that scripture calls for. The, the, the some of the stop and looking at where I am type of thing. What kind of letter would Jesus write to the Oakdale Church? You can look at these letters and see which phrases do you think he would say to us here at the church. I think that is a very important question. Consciously, where are we? Where will we be? Where will we strive to maintain to be as a church? I pray that we will have the godly and spiritual strength that the church needs. Let's pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that this service involved and contained. I thank you, Lord, for our new member today. I thank you, Lord, for the vote. We trust, Lord, that you have led us by your spirit. And, Lord, you will continue to walk with this church, I believe. Help us to be a godly church where Christ is lifted up as Savior, where the Bible is our true letter to us, God's word of love given to us right now. We hold it up in the sanctuary and we declare this is our guide. This is what we strive to follow. This tells about Jesus, whom we strive to imitate and be like, Christ-like. It's what we want. So continue to walk with our church, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.